0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Tim Williams, CEO of Analytica. And I think a lot of you who have been listening to our show or looking at a, a lot of the work that we share are very familiar with the company, Analytica. So thank you so much for spending time with us today, Tim, and welcome to the show.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: So before we dive in though, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up running Analytica?
1: Sure, and, and what's fantastic about this is normally I'm doing the interviewing, so now it's very uncharted territory for me, so I have to answer some of the same questions that I ask other people. Uh, really, my journey started, I, mean, I joined Analytica in 2012 uh, to head up their sales and commercial team. Uh, but then I saw the opportunity uh, for influence marketing and we were actually more of an agency back then and so what I did is I spoke to the investors and we we basically started up a new company at the back end of 2013 uh, and pivoted what was an agency services uh, model into influencer marketing software. We had a lot of wonderful technology then uh, but you know, uh, it's really technology which I was passionate about to drive innovation. So um, I spotted opportunity, but it, it wasn't something that I founded. It was something that I just saw an opportunity from within. So it was a very different journey, I think, to how people would expect uh, me to answer.
2: Well, I'm not going to let you get off with just that. Like, tell what what were you doing before that? That like led you to do this. I mean, was it sales stuff or like you know? Tell tell us a little bit further back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it's, it's really really interesting, but you know, a bit gritty. So back then, but basically, we were working with really cool brands, and I was in sales. But I just, I could just see that uh, that the the business wasn't quite working. It was being run by. uh you know, scientists and like fantastic uh, people with ideas and lots of tech, but it wasn't scaling as a business. And I think you know, you can see that there will be endemic problems that will happen further in the future. So I just spoke to the investors and talked about what they wanted and talked about what I saw the opportunity uh, in the marketplace and how we could help. And you know, our visions, you're aligned. And you know, there were a few difficult conversations back then uh, because of course, I mean realistically and honestly the people that hired me uh you know it it could be seen that I was kind of pushing them out from their own enterprise but but really the the uh the opportunity was that we'd started an influence marketing business way before its time and and really we had tech set up so i my passion is about developing people it's about driving technology in the marketplace that serves uh customers and 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 does good um, uh in 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 the industry so I saw an opportunity uh that was actually for the greater good rather than my own personal gain and you know I just spoke to the investors who obviously. Uh, are central to the uh, to the investment of a of a tech business through kind of like Series A, Series B, and you know that's what we decided to do. And coming out from that, you know, we brought the agency down to quite a small number of people. It was about seven people in 2013, and and now we're up to 40 people, you know, in 2021. So it it was a it was a bit of a weird journey. Uh, but I was very, very excited uh, when we came through that at the beginning of 2014 that we had you know, technology that was already out there in a market that was really starting off growing. And we're talking about B2B influence marketing, B2C influence marketing was already around for maybe about you know, 10 years by then, uh, but B2B influence marketing was just starting. Uh, so, that, so that was really the journey at the time.
2: So, so let's let's get into that little sort of difference that you talked about there. You know, we consider you the oracle of B2B influencer marketing, uh, because you've seen this space evolve and you've helped really craft what it has become. For those of you who aren't you really all that familiar, talk about the difference between sort of this B2B context for influencers and how that evolved from B2C and, and why should corporates care about this type of marketing?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a really good question. And most people's frame of reference is b2c and you know they always claim the the one person that's probably on everyone's mind right now which i'm not going to say because it it frustrates me that people always talk about (laughs) about that person um both names begin with k so i'll just give you a clue um anyway everyone talks about b2c influence marketing and really what we see is celebrity product advertising that's really what they're talking about in terms of influence marketing and it's much easier model everyone kind of understands it you you get this of shiny celebrity and you talk about the product and people buy the product and and i think everyone gets it um and there's you know it's a simple model there's fire festival and you know examples where it didn't go very well there's other examples where it's selling products you know in the millions and it's an amazing for the brand b2b influencer marketing has been around for you know 50, 60, 70 years, like decades. It's called PR. It's called analyst relations. It's called marketing. It's just all the traditional uh, departments. But it's just that, and one brand put it really well. It was actually Angela Lipscomb from SAS. She said, oh, there were these anomaly uh influential people that no one was managing in the brand and i thought it would be interesting to speak to them and you know i wouldn't consider any influential expert to to be anomalies because of course you know (laughs) you're fantastic people and everyone's an individual but what she meant by that was very very true that there was pr managing journalists there were analyst relations managing analysts and there were other people influencing the end customer Who had uh, cropped up? They were creating content or speaking to people offline, and no one was managing them. And there was this real opportunity and this channel that brands just weren't ready for. So that's where I saw it emerging. And you know, when there's only a few people, then you know it's not really a market. But when suddenly we can see through our analysis that there are when we've got over one million. Influences in our database across 500 topical communities so that's your 2000 people on climate change or future of work or ai or digital transformation or iot or the future of energy all these particular particular topics there are amazing experts out there and i think that you know brands just have seen the opportunity for content creation for building credibility and trust and awareness and and suddenly they thought you know, why are we talking about ourselves when people don't trust our message and the the world has moved on? So I think that all of this has happened in the past, you know, what I would consider like five or six years. And we've seen the early adopters, you know, brands like Microsoft or IBM, Ericsson, SAP, uh, who have worked with influencers for a, for a number of years. Some, you know, maybe eight or nine years. I mean, Microsoft worked with developers. uh, Developer evangelism, you are back in 2012, 2013, as a formalised program. So some of them have been doing it for a long, uh, a long time. But now, I think over the past two or three years, we see a lot of tech firms, professional services firms, energy firms, health firm healthcare firms, all of these brands are now thinking, you know, how do we bring, how do we bring external content creators and influencers into our, into our content marketing journey, and so. That's been the shift, and it's just been a wonderful thing to observe.
0: Indeed, it has been fascinating to see. And I think the, um, the other interesting thing is, you know, having worked with different brands across different industries, there is such a huge spectrum of what they do and what they think they need to do and what they think success needs to be and how you measure it, et cetera, et cetera. It's like wild, wild west for quite a while. So I wanted to ask you something for brands that are considering, right? You know, those that are not as advanced, just some of the big names that you had mentioned, what are the top three things they should consider? And what are some of the pitfalls to avoid? Because it's not just, you know, putting a person out there and give them a message and say, here, go talk about it, right?
1: Yeah, I think, I think one of the things to avoid is don't expect influencers to just be mouthpieces for your brand and play the same advertising model as a B2C. I think B2B is far more nuanced than that. I think it's about bringing in expertise, influence and content creation into your marketing journey and also looking at what's in it for the influencer because you'll get some wonderful industry experts that wouldn't even consider themselves to be influencers that would be happy to talk at your event or to be part of a panel or to create some content for you. You get some people who are amazing at creating uh, YouTube videos or LinkedIn Lives or you know, want to write really longer form content and that's what they love doing. And you can tap into that. And you get other influencers who are very influential on certain channels like twitter or linkedin or um or maybe they've got a podcast uh which is is getting a lot of engagement so i think uh treat them as an individual uh look at the combination of working with experts content creators and influencers and sometimes when you mix them together you get a perfect mix uh, because you're not just wanting twitter amplification you're wanting maybe uh Twitter amplification, LinkedIn amplification, someone who's a deep industry expert and someone else that might be, you know, happy to create and produce the content as part of an agile thought leadership play. So I think it's just uh, looking at how you can activate uh, influential experts, um, making it a two-way thing and just making it more than, okay, I've got some content or I've got a product that I want them to promote because they're not in it to promote your products. They're in it to build their expertise, to build their influence. And also some of, some of them are doing it for a living. So not everybody, um, but they obviously need to earn some money as well. So I think trying to marry up that and connect it is uh, sometimes a challenge, but it just needs a bit, of, uh, a bit of thought process to actually kind of work it out.
2: I always thought it was interesting being part of large corporates in the past where some of these organizations like put a muzzle on people that are naturally sort of gifted to talk about not just the product and service that they're sort of representing but really you know engaging in a community and so when uh, when you come out of a large corporate and you sort of now can talk about anything you want to it's like it's so freeing um and and so i i, I look at corporates you know not just using people from the outside, but there's like this need for them to sort of craft an internal group of influence to the external market that is really untapped um i'd I'd love to see more organizations really embrace the social activity and the writings and the speakings um that you know their internal teams have developed and just take it take it seriously um through your work with various brands um you found that partnering with employees for example working alongside them to craft reports are tremendously helpful um what other advice or tips would you give companies so that they can improve those type of programs and really extend that type of content
1: yeah i think the points you made bradley is a, a spot on and and i i love the internal experts and the employees to be part of the journey because i think that's that's really, really important i think one tip is i hear how much brands are spending on content creation. I mean, they're spending a crazy amount of money. Like each particular marketing team might be throwing hundreds of thousand dollars into, into content creation, and then they're having to promote it. And it's really still the brand talking about the brand. And so I would say divert some of the content creation budget into employee generated content and influencer generated content. Those two forms are just part of what everyone knows as user generated content. It's far more effective than the brands trying to do everything by themselves and to promote who they are. And so that, that's one tip that I really try and work with brands on. And when you bring this to a practical level, a lot of brands are, you're still creating white papers, for example. And when you create white paper, there's a modern approach to white papers, and you can bring in influential experts earlier on in the content creation process. You can get them to feed in ideas to actually uh, help contribute to the content. They can also provide quotes, and they can help promote it, and they can help translate the report into something that means something for their audience. And and that's what I would like to see brands doing more of not influences as you know the the icing on the cake it's actually influences as the ingredients to make the cake you know far more uh appealing to to basically their target audience so i I think a lot of brands are thinking yes influence marketing we've got all this content we've got all these plans how can they help us achieve that and I think it's just changing the mindset to we're not gonna talk about this internally. We're gonna either develop employees to talk about this uh, this content, or we're going to bring in external voices to help us on this journey, because we know that that is going to be far more consultative, collaborative. It's gonna end up with creating inspiring content for our entire audience. I think that's a mind shift, like you said, your Bradley, which takes a while. and And I thought you also mentioned something else which was interesting that you now feel sort of liberated and you can sort of say what you want. I think brands have this controlled trust, uh, you know, pull internally, and they don't know quite how much control to give because with more trust, they give more control. And so, especially in the financial services or fintech space, you know, when it's regulated, I think you can work with influencers uh, to produce your recorded your video, and you can work with them in the written form, and you can make sure that you, you trust the content and that it's compliant and that you're happy with how the content looks, rather than just going straight into a live setting with influencers that you haven't worked with. So I think that's a barrier that a lot of brands who are entering into this space uh, feel, but there are ways in which you can uh, safeguard your know, that trust and still have that that control even uh, while still allowing the influencers to be free with their own opinions. Because as both of you obviously will uh, attest to, uh, trying to put a muzzle on influencers or trying to say, you can't say that, you have to say this, doesn't work for people that are influential experts in the industry.
0: yes we are very familiar with it um it's been quite an interesting learning journey i would say um i want to go back and ask you something because i've noticed that you have used a few words interchangeably um influencer influential experts and i've also heard people talk about key opinion leader kol that was a new word we learned um what is with all the terminology and what do you think about the word influencer? Cause I remember you and I, uh, Tim, we were on a podcast earlier and I had made a comment that I can't even influence my kids and what they're supposed to do. That's why I don't really consider myself an influencer. It's a really interesting word. Um, what, what do you think about this? And, and I've seen a report that you guys have produced that talk about the differences right between the various roles that people play
1: yeah i have a lot of thoughts on this i love influence marketing and the category i don't like the word influencer personally but i also it's not just about you know me it's about listening to the whole of the industry and i would say that 70% of the people that i talk to don't like the word influencer and then some of the experts that we call them say, I like the word influencer. I like the fact that I'm an influencer. I call myself an influencer. And so, of course, the, the jury's out and people have different ways of talking about people. Over, overall, what we're trying to do at Analytica is to provide technology to matchmake, you know, brands and influencers so that they can collaborate together, create inspiring content for, for the industry. And what I've observed is that some people want event speakers to speak at their event. Some people want a YouTuber or a podcaster. Some people want someone to write some longer form content. Some people want an industry expert to appear on their panel. And sometimes people want someone who has social influence on a certain channel. And these are all the the, the requests that brands are making. So what we saw it as our responsibility is to try and give people influence scores and there's over 38 algorithms that go into that uh it's not perfect but it's you know we continually refine it and we believe it's it's the best out there within the b2b industry and there's also the the persona and the role of being able to tag people correctly so that brands can find the relevant people so what we're trying to do and it's a it's a challenge but it's our full-time job so we're uh we're happy to meet it is to try and break down an individual into you know an actual person rather than this ambiguous term influencer which i think when marketing teams talk to their senior management and say shall i bring on an influencer you know people feel differently about that kind of word and actually when the influencer does speak to senior management they go oh my god i love that person they were so engaging they had expertise i would really love them to work with us or to do an interview with me but the word "influencer" at the beginning it raises some suspicion sometimes cynicism sometimes you're paying for their opinions and it just really isn't the case so i love the category i don't like the word influencer because I see everyone as an influencer, even I know what you're saying, Theo, that that you can't influence your kids at, time, at times, you know, I feel the same, um, but everyone is influential. We just have, I think it's our job to try and give the degree of influence and to give the uh, connection to the use case in the best possible way.
2: Well, let's you know let's let's go from there to result a little bit because I, I think about you know the the practitioners that have turned into you know, influence others in terms of their purchases when they are in the corporate sort of sphere. And you know between the two of us and the model that we sort of run, we came out of you know corporates and we came out of you know large enterprises, and we've always had a social presence. And so we may, you know, in a given month, interact with a couple hundred thousand people and have, you know, four to six million views of our content that's that's propagating an idea or a series of ideas out into a market that has consumed that from both of us for nearly a decade so when you think about you know brands that are very willing to drop you know fifty thousand dollars at a conference or a couple million dollars on an ad um, campaign and they give trickles to people that truly actually have a message that gets out to a market i think that's really a disconnect and your company seems to be bridging this with data science and an understanding of, of what those connections actually bring to a brand in terms of results. How do you define a successful you know, influencer campaign for your corporate clients? And how do you help them understand how to measure and how to really value what is happening there in that transaction?
1: Yeah, I love talking about measurement. And it's a massive challenge for... I've worked in PR, social marketing. I think it's one of the top two challenges with every single client that I've spoken to uh, just in the industry. So it all depends about the use case, I think. In the B2B context, we see people running uh, influence relations or influence marketing as a central team. And when they're doing that, when they actually have influence relations or influence marketing, their job title, their job is to connect uh, the influencers with different departments and if you're speaking to the events team they might want the awareness of that event on social and so it might be in terms of social engagements it might be that you're you're trying to get uh, a lot of people to your particular event so that could be event registrations for example Um, it could also be more of a sales tactic sale tactic and demand gen in which case um, it would it could be looking at the at the net new revenue in target accounts within the top 100 accounts. So that's when people are are kind of in a central influence relations role in some of the big tech companies. When you start working directly with a content marketer, then they're trying to drive engagement with their target audience through a piece of content. So it's relatively easy to look at a previous piece of content and say how many views how many likes how many shares how much engagement has that driven and you know has it driven referral site traffic to a landing page and out of that content you know how much is converted into an actual customer and try to connect that journey up so so then you can see that influencer generated content has driven you know x amount more site traffic or x amount more views and uh, and then you can start working out uh, a number to this. So so basically, to answer your question, we see uh, multiple use cases. And each one of the use cases starts off with typically social metrics, but then they have to connect it to what the business really, really cares about. And we provide a lot of consultation in that. We have a measurement framework, uh, but it is an area of challenge for brands. And you'll hear a lot of people saying, well, I'm not interested in vanity metrics, um, but then they still measure those, right? Because, you know, if you get millions of impressions and, and like hundreds of thousands of, of people engaging, then it means something, but they have to start connecting that to proper business outcomes for them to get the investment into their programs. It's, it's much more mature with the large tech brands. I think that have been doing this for years, uh, but it's getting it's getting better but it's really one of the main areas that we we spend our time doing because it's a real challenge
2: And i think what's what's really been fascinating over the last 20 years say to watch is that we've gone from regardless of size of brand throwing a lot of money at traditional advertising and that has changed so much with both the internet and with new social you know, channels that allow anybody to really push out content. Um, You know, back in the days when I was marketing and doing analytics with credit unions and banks and stuff, you could track direct mail. You know, you could track web marketing and email marketing in terms of opens, in terms of eventual, like actual monetary value of those things. But it's been harder with this transition, I think, with brands as they've moved into this technology that is controlled by others. It's not like you know, they just press a button and all of a sudden 15 influencers fly out to the, you know, the internets and and start to propagate uh, this message. It's, it's something that they're not entirely comfortable with yet. And yet it's been 10 years in the making. And so I just want to give you guys props for understanding that model early and really, you know, leveraging this database of so many people across so many industries so that any type of brand can come to you and say, this is what we're trying to do. This is the format that we're trying to get it. You know, and this is the event or the message or the you know, just the value that we want to tell to the market. And so you guys have really, you know, been one of those initial companies that really just got that. So I just wanted to give you props.
1: Thank you. Well I, I appreciate that. And I think I think you're right that some things are very, very easy to measure, but it doesn't mean the things which are harder to measure are the wrong things to do. And I think that I think that's the interesting part some social media I mean really blew up. I mean Twitter was what 2006 when I was in San Francisco and everyone was talking about it I was going to meetings when I didn't even know how to pronounce it and I had my English accent and I probably pronounced it too too formally like a sort of an English accent when everyone's saying Twitter Uh, and I and I thought it was just you know a, a sort of a weird craze at the time but I suppose that was 2006 2007 when it when it happened I remember going to lots of conferences and everyone saying "What's the ROI of social media?" and you're asking very unfair questions and and you know, especially when their eye was practically non-existent there was no investment but they were just saying, "Well why should I do it?" and we't don't, we don't question that now why people should have certain uh, social accounts why, why uh, social media is important we just know that it is part of how people live their daily life and and i feel like you know that was the same with email back in the day people questioning whether it would be day-to-day then it was social media now it's uh okay you shouldn't talk about yourself you should you know talk to your customers and experts and influencers and create content with them because it's far more powerful and i i think this is going through that stage like you said bradley where if it's hard to measure you know, should people do it can they attribute your know, investment into this area with with business results and I think sometimes it's just the right thing to do um, to start that journey but of course people have quarterly cycles where they need to deliver results within 12 weeks and I think that's a lot of the challenges within brands Uh, but if you get someone with a long-term vision and a short-term campaign that's going to drive some good quick wins I think that's when they start getting their programs off the ground.
0: Yeah, I like the comment that you just made too. And I think lately we have seen um, brands trying different things, right, Tim, I've seen you um, on on various mediums, I've seen you on LinkedIn Live, um, which those are those are always fun to do. Um, I've seen I've heard you on Clubhouse. Uh, So there there are so many things that that companies are are trying and trying to figure out exactly where is their audience and where can they leave a mark. And to echo Bradley's point, I love watching how you and the team have grown the company, the various tools and, and new features that you've added um, from the very simple reports that you were talking about initially to my Analytica, which you've just launched uh, fairly recently. I do want to ask you, of all the things that you have done, and how you have been able to bring the company and the team along and grow them what do you enjoy the most and what's next what will the future bring now this is the true oracle question
1: yeah first of all thank you so much for your kind comments it's been a it's been a fantastic ride and yeah we feel like we're just at the start uh which is which is great because there's so uh, so, um, so much you know, progress in the future and exciting plans. So, uh, so really, I enjoy building business. I, I enjoy developing people's careers. I mean, that's what I get the, uh, one of the biggest kicks out of. Um, I also enjoy providing te- technology solutions to industries where there's a bit of friction. So I know that uh there's friction with influencers about getting paid and uh, collaborating with brands and managing their briefs. And you know, if you get uh, 40 requests per day, like how do you know which is uh, a quality brief, uh, which one isn't very good? Uh, wanting to improve the standards of how brands outreach to influencers and also how influencers show up for brands. So I think that because you said it, it seemed like this of wild west. I've got a passion for technology driving that change and consulting with the wonderful influencer community, which have been so supportive of us and our clients and the new clients that we will acquire to just uh, help the process uh, be more streamlined. And really that will save a lot of time and money and will go into better content creation, developing people's careers outside of Analytica and you're pushing the industry forward Uh, i'm passionate about brands talking uh through third-party voices and you know i.e not their own and so the plans at Analytica is really you know i find it an easy job because i want to develop people internally and i also want to help people develop their own social influence so we've got some e-learning modules to help uh, people develop their own influence we want to help experts become influencers and maybe choose that as a career because they can earn some good money and you know, they can really sort of develop themselves. We also want to help develop our clients and in the industry to have careers in influence marketing. And I know that the people uh, there um, who are doing wonderful jobs are just loving talking about it and really sort of setting the, setting the pace for the industry. So I think overall, that's what I enjoy. It's just technology, innovation and developing uh your people's ambitions
0: well that's wonderful tim and know that a lot of us appreciate the work that you and analytica has been doing so keep that up and uh for that thank you so much for spending time with us today and for the rest of you thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of one vision we will talk to you all next week